Hey everyone, this is Dorinda Wilson. Welcome to this week's podcast. If you don't know me already, I am married to Daryl. We have been married for 28 years. We have eight kids, ages 13 to 26, and five of those are boys. And that is really one of the reasons that I decided to do a series of podcasts on boys, because they are clearly a very different animal than girls, (laughs) if you haven't already figured that out. So in the last two podcasts, um, I've been talking about homeschooling specifically. Last week's uh, episode was on homeschooling junior high to high school, and the week before was on elementary school. So if you haven't listened to those, you may want to go back and listen to some of the specifics on that. Also, if you haven't connected with me on Facebook or Instagram, you can find me there. Facebook is Dorenda Wilson, Instagram at Dorenda Lee Wilson, and also at my blog, DorendaWilson.com. I have been hearing from moms who have been listening to the podcasts on boys, and it has been so encouraging because, you know, sometimes you feel like God's laying something on your heart, and then you uh, you kind of second-guess yourself. And what I'm finding is uh, most moms are feeling a little um, uncertain about raising boys and certainly about homeschooling them. So hopefully you have found some nuggets of truth, some words of wisdom, some direction that's going to bring a whole lot more peace as you raise your boys. I'm telling you, they are the bomb. I love our boys. And, you know, there were days I didn't love it so much, but I wouldn't trade them for anything in the world, especially as I see them going into adulthood and just being the great men that they're becoming. Um, It just makes all the difficulties along the way and misunderstandings and figuring things out worth it. So last week, like I said, I talked about homeschooling a junior high and high school, and the week before was elementary school. Um, do you guys remember, if you listened to that uh, last week's podcast, do you remember what the number one top most important aspect to homeschooling boys, do you remember that? It was ownership. And what I found out over the years is that if I own too much of what our boys are doing, they simply won't. They take their hands off of it for whatever reason. They're just independent that way. So I had to, my job was to encourage them towards ownership. And that has made all the difference in the world. So let's talk a little bit about what ownership actually is. I talked some about it in the last podcast, but I really want to get into it a little deeper in this one and some ways to encourage ownership. So Tim Elmore uh, wrote a book. Actually, he's written several books, but... His, his definition of ownership, I thought, was very articulate and spot on. Ownership is the antithesis of entitlement. Now, don't we live in a generation where not all, but many of the young people feel entitled? Ownership is the idea that their life is their own, which entails both freedom and responsibilities for these things, for the decisions they make, for the challenges they face, for the money they spend or save, for the people that they choose to hang around, for the future that they prepare for, and for the mistakes that they make. So we're at a point in our journey with our boys where three have graduated and two are still at home homeschooling with us. And our oldest son is, uh, has graduated from college and has started his career. And right now we have a 20-year-old and 19-year-old who are working full-time and chose not 
to go to college full-time. And it's just an interesting place to be. And I think that many parents find themselves there where their kids, especially boys, maybe not, I don't know. Um, I just know my boys, these particular boys, Ben and Luke, haven't found college to be something that they desired. And my husband and I have had to be okay with that. And we totally are. So we're sort of in this gap spot. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later on in the podcast. But um, they're both working full-time. They're getting a, a, a clue as to what it looks like to support themselves. They're on their own. Um, they're volunteering some of their time doing different things. And I'll, I'll share a little more in detail where they're at a little bit down the road. But I think it's a place that a lot of parents find themselves in that they didn't expect. Uh, one of the expectations I think that we need to probably lay down and get over is that our sons have to have everything figured out, what they're going to do by the time they're 18. They have to have everything mapped out. I just don't think that's realistic. It's not what I'm seeing, and I don't know that it's necessarily in their best interest. Now, there's that occasional exception to the rule, like our oldest son, where that is how it was with him. He knew exactly on, you know, what he was going to do. He was on track with it from the time he was, you know, in his early teens. He was heading towards a goal. And, and we all kind of look at that as the ideal, but the reality is it's not. It's just another way to do it. And so if we can wrap our heads around that, I think we can begin to think outside the box and be a lot more help and support to our boys along the way. So I'm going to talk about some of the ways to encourage ownership. One of these is to observe our boys, anticipate the life, uh, uh, you know, the life season that they're about to enter, and ask ourselves what life skills they have mastered, and which remain undeveloped. So, and and one of the, the the steps that we can take is to identify one exercise that would enable them to prepare for what's coming. We, we would be then helping them take a step now that will familiarize them with what's coming around the bend. So that can be a lot of different things. It can look a lot of different uh, ways or different areas. You know, all of our boys are different and they're, they have certain uh, strengths and weaknesses. And so we need to be the one to look ahead and be willing to uh, challenge them in certain areas to grow so that they're prepared when they're um, going to be out on their own. Now, when our boys uh, moved out, you know, there was a learning curve there and that was okay. We were nearby, we were close, we were accessible and we had the kind of relationship where they would ask us the questions that they needed to ask us and we guided them through that process. So there's a lot of different ways you can do it, but if you can at this point in junior high, high school, begin to look at the trajectory and um, recognize the areas where maybe your son or sons uh, could use some growth and maybe pray, pray over, set up a situation where they can grow in that particular area. One of the things that's really important to encouraging ownership is to be consistent. Whatever you decide to do school-wise and just your daily uh, routine with your boys, be consistent. Um, boys need boundaries and they need them to stay intact. Now, obviously we're going to be allowing them more and more freedom the older they get, as long as they can handle that freedom. But we also still need to be the parent. And also remember that with homeschooling, uh, with, when it comes to schoolwork, this is something that I think we forget. 
We think every day should look the same as far as how much they're getting done, but the, the reality is that there is an ebb and flow to schoolwork. And the interesting thing uh, that I read uh, a long time ago, and I think I mentioned this in the, in the last podcast that was really encouraging to me, is there is so much review and uh, uh, when it comes to schoolwork in these 12 years of school that our kids do, or 13 if you count kindergarten, that the, literally, if your child is ready to learn, you could, it is possible to learn all that they need to know in two years' time. So do you, can you just get a, a grip there on how much time is wasted when it comes to the public school system and the classroom situation? They can't custom fit that, that scenario to each kid and be able to you know, observe them and work with their strengths and challenge them in their weaknesses. It's just not going to happen there. And so we, can, uh, we need to be sure that we're not trying to pattern that system at home, but instead cue into our kids, cue into our boys, be students of them. And um, I remember also when I was in sixth grade, my sixth grade teacher told us, she said, everything you learn from kindergarten through sixth grade is pretty much the basics of everything you'll ever learn. It's like the foundation and you can, um, you know, take these things further. But in essence, that K through six, um, the things you learn in kindergarten through sixth grade are the, the, the basis for all the higher learning. So it was very interesting. I guess I just wanted to share that with you because I want you to realize that we do not have to be frantic in our homeschooling. We, it is okay to be unhurried. Obviously, we want to be diligent, but we don't want to just do a bunch of busy work. We don't want to be working out of fear, giving our kids, you got to do this, 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 and this. It shouldn't be frantic. We want our kids to love learning. And if we're stressed out all the time, they're just going to associate learning with stress. And that is something we do not want. So keep those, you know, the, the basic boundaries intact. Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit now, just kind of turn a little bit towards discipline. I guess this is what this, this part of it is really about, keeping those boundaries, um, using few words. I shared the story about my husband telling me that I was using too many words with our boys. And when I cut back on the words, I couldn't believe how much more effective the discipline was. I had used few words and had action that happened afterwards, natural consequences for um, if they just decided to ignore me or not listen to me. Um, they just needed action. And they actually told me that. We would rather you not talk and we would rather you follow through with some painful consequence because it's more meaningful to us and it's more effective. <laughs> so I'm like, well, you can't, you can't argue with that, right? So um, that's the other thing. Don't give a whole bunch of warnings. We need to let our boys make mistakes um, without ridiculing them and harping on them. Um, and when we do that, we're, we're maintaining an element of respect. And it's really important that we don't baby them. We need to call them up to a little, you know, to a higher standard. We just keep calling them up. And there can be grace with that, but there, can, there also needs to be uh, firmness with that. So we need to let our boys feel the natural consequences for their actions. And like I said, painful consequences seem to be the most effective for whatever reason with our boys. And natural consequences, having the um, 
punishment fit the crime or the consequences fit the crime is really important too. It needs to relate back as much as possible to the offense. So for our kids, what we would do is if, if, you know, I'm just going to give you an example. What happens if you disrespect someone in real life? Let's just say you start arguing with somebody and then the fight gets physical. Um, the reality is you end up in jail, right? They remove you from society because you can't handle being in society. You can't get along. And so we would automatically, time alone, isolate that kid um, and not allow him or her to be with anybody else until they could be with them respectfully. Now, there are some of my kids that actually enjoyed that. It was actually the thing that they needed to get their head on straight. They really needed alone time. And that is something that we learned in that process and that they learned about themselves was that it was important for them to have time to themselves. And so, you know, there's there's just a learning curve with all that. So with that natural consequence, we also learned, hey, this kid needs more alone time and that's okay. We need to make sure that that's part of his daily disciplines. And he knows now that he needs this and that it doesn't go well if he doesn't take time alone. So... Um, making sure that our boys, obviously our kids too, but we're talking specifically about boys, take responsibility for their own actions. This is something that is, is, a, is a difficult thing to, to learn because I think it really flies in the face of human nature. But the bottom line is we would tell our kids if it doesn't matter. I mean, obviously what someone else does to you matters. It affects you. But ultimately, the responsibility of how you respond to it is, is falls squarely on your shoulders. You're not responsible for what that person did to you, but you are responsible for your response to it. And so this is something we try to continually drive home. So basically what we're wanting to do is call our boys to more manliness, but give them the tools to do that. Some of our boys were more overly sensitive, you know, about getting their feelings hurt, and we had to deal with that and they needed to learn to toughen up a little bit and not be so easily offended because God's word says love is not easily offended and we're not loving our brother if we're easily offended by him. So, um, but then we also had boys who were completely insensitive and, and one of them was sensitive about anything said to him, but completely insensitive about what he said to other people. So there's, there's been a whole learning curve with him of treating other people the way he wants to be treated, teaching him empathy. So that was something that really every argument came down to and every mistreatment came down to, are you treating others the way you want to be treated? And this is where the concrete is important. What I just said to you is called the golden rule, but it comes from God's word. And this is so, so important. So I want you to listen to this. Make sure that you are referencing God's word as the measuring stick. Because what it does is it takes you out of the equation and you end up just being the messenger. And the thing about this is that our kids learn that even we as parents come under God's authority and we are trying to follow what he's telling us to do. And therefore, the rules we make in the house are all tied to what God says um, about everything. And so that's an important, uh, important key thing when it comes to disciplining. So by doing all of these things, 
you know, by disciplining and being direct and talking very frankly about what's actually going on in these arguments and these, you know, disagreements, we're being honest with them and teaching them to be honest with themselves. We want our boys to know that they are highly valued, but also that the world doesn't revolve around them. We want them to be other-oriented, and we want them to be aware of their surroundings. So, you know, one of the ways, you know, that I find has... that I've had to teach our boys to be aware of their surroundings is, you know, they tend to want to run and jump and be super active. Um, But in a situation like at church, we did not allow them to run. And we explained to them, you know, there are older people standing around visiting and you don't understand if you knock them over, they may never walk again. And so this is teaching them, there are other people in this world besides you. There are other needs that are higher than your needs. That is more important than your need to run right now. you know, we can we can have an alternative plan. We could send you out to the playground and you can run out there, but you're not running in here. You know, things like that, all those little things that take so much time and thought are the very things that build character in our boys and make them just amazing men. And what we want our kids to see is, and this happens a lot through discipline, is that they begin to see their need for Christ And they begin to find their value in belonging to him. And that's what we want above anything else. We want our boys to be walking in faith. We want them to love their creator. We want them to have an active living relationship with God. And that all happens by us taking the time to teach them these things. Also, when it comes to discipline, it's very important to understand their currency. So, all of our boys had different currency. For some, it was being with people. If you put them alone, that was like terrible. They hated every minute of it. And it was highly effective. With others, like I said before, <laughs> go ahead, put me in my room. I'd love to be in there for three hours by myself. <laughs> I really enjoy my own company. So, you know, they're all different. There can be uh, some of the currency could be devices, screen time. I remember when our, our 17-year-old was little, he loved sugar. I mean, loved treats. It was just like his joy and delight. And so when I took away sugar as a consequence, that really hit home with him. You know, And I would make sure that I cooked, you know, made a really nice dessert or some really good cookies while this was happening because I wanted him to feel it. And he did. And, you know, that wasn't me being a mean mom. That was me just reinforcing the message that whatever it is that he, you know, had done needed to stop. And, you know, in the, in the younger years, it really is about, um, you know, just it... it <sighs> It can feel mean, and we're really just training them. We're training them to think before they act. We're trying to train that, um, is it impulsivity? Is that even a word? I don't even know. (laughs) But that impulsiveness, we want to train that impulsiveness out of them so that they learn to think first. And that can take a long time. It's a journey. I just want you to remember that all these things that I'm talking about, these are years in process. So be patient, uh, be gracious. Uh, don't tolerate too much. Obviously, we don't want to change our boundaries. We want to be firm and consistent, like I mentioned before. But remember, because um, we get impatient and it feels like we are just disciplining for an eternity, it feels like. 
but that is part of the deal. And some of our kids, we will not even be able to see the good fruit of that until they are out of our home. It's amazing to me. I've watched um, several of our kids who I just thought, they're just not getting this. And I failed, you know? I, I, clearly I failed in that area. And then come to find out that once they were out on their own, they embraced it all. It, it all suddenly made sense to them at some point. So, so there's hope, be patient, and, and um, remember that this is a process. So it's more important that our boys own what they are doing than it is that they know everything when it comes to schoolwork. And this is the interesting thing. Everybody has this great fear of gaps. The truth is, gaps are going to happen. And we can't foresee the future. We can't um, necessarily know what it is our boys are going to be doing. So it's impossible for us to fully prepare them for that. I don't, God isn't calling us to that. He is calling us to lay a foundation in their hearts and lives of, you know, passing our faith on to them, teaching them the basics when it comes to the three R's and, you know, just leading them and walking beside them as they pursue different things and find out what they're passionate about. And above all, we're to pray for them. God will work these things out in their lives. And so this whole idea of gaps, just for a little reassurance, let me just tell you, there are now, I'm finding out, gap programs for between high school and college that kids can qualify for between 18 and 20. So even if they don't go directly to college and they decide I'm going to get a job for a while. Um, a lot of the local high schools, check your local high school or whatever, they offer a gap year program where it helps them sort of hone in if they haven't honed in on exactly what they're thinking they want to do. And it helps them uh, it helps give them funding for classes if they want to go to the community college. So there are just a lot of options out there. And I'm going to be sharing some more with you in a little bit. But there's these gap programs. And also at the colleges, they're learning that, uh, you know, all high schoolers are not, all high schools are not created equal. So they offer these gap classes that help the kids bridge the gap once they figure out what direction they want to go. So hopefully that's a comfort to you. So uh, I want to tell you a quick story. Our son Silas is 13, and we were working on North Carolina state history. And then we had to drop it for a while because we had a bunch of stuff going on. And then I tried to go back and pick it back up, and it just wasn't happening. Now, the last lesson we did before we stopped for a while was a doozy. I thought I was going to pull my hair out because it was clearly too much for him, but I was trying to force him to get through it. And you think I would know better by now, right? 22 plus years of homeschooling. And here I was, I looked at his face and I could tell he was shriveling up inside. And I just thought, what am I doing? This is crazy. So we dropped it. I mean, we did, he, we did finish it and I tried to finish it well, just with, you know, removing some expectations and different things. I just sort of adapted it to make sure that, to just bring closure to it, I guess is what I'm saying. I didn't want him to necessarily give up. So anyway, long story short, we ended up, had the break, tried to go back to it. He just wasn't excited about it. Now, one thing I've noticed, this is why I mentioned being consistent, is my boys lose uh, interest if I take a big break from something and try to go back to it. And this was clearly the problem with it. So 
I was also, but I was feeling guilty at the same time. You know, how many times in all of our homeschooling years have we started something and never finished it? I felt guilty, tried to push, didn't work, did the exact same thing this time. And the one thing that I realized is that I can chalk this up to exposure and it's okay. Like he's been exposed to North Carolina state history. So do I want to keep going on that? Is it important? So these are some uh, questions I had to ask myself. Does he need to know this? How important is it that he has North Carolina state history facts in his head? And is he even going to remember them? What is the point of what we're doing? The other question is, does he need to know this now? That's another question. Is there another way he can learn this or a better time? Or maybe our focus should go somewhere else into something that's more important. Uh, maybe he could learn this through something else that he's interested in. Is this a hill worth dying on? Or is there a more important one to spend that time and energy on? So when our kids were younger, I did not make them power through schoolwork. However, I did make them power through chores. And so I guess what I'm saying is powering through that isn't necessarily the thing that's going to teach them endurance. Where our kids learned it the best and initially was through chores. And then later on, when they started to own more of their schoolwork, I could encourage them and they would power through. And sometimes they didn't even need me to do that. So this ownership thing is super important. But at younger ages, I just didn't feel like I needed to do that. And I'm kind of feeling that way about Silas and the the North Carolina state history. It doesn't mean that I don't expect some amount of perseverance. I just don't want to take away their... um, love of learning by burning them out on bookwork early on in the game, right? So we, like I said before, we do not need to expect our boys to have their life mapped out by the time they're 18. The beauty of keeping relationship with our boys is to be able to still speak into their lives as they navigate this unknown as semi-adults. This is a time when their relationship with the Lord can really grow as well. We can be encouraging them to learn to hear from Him. And Obviously, we walk that out as example in front of them, but we encourage them in their faith during this time when they're searching and figuring things out. So our oldest son, he found out at age 12 exactly what he wanted to do. And that hasn't happened for any of our other boys. And I'll often share his story because it's just fascinating to me that he's the one that I probably homeschooled the least, and he found his passion the earliest. Um... I just think that this is what God's plan was for him. And what happened was he was a not good reader. I mean, he could read well. He didn't enjoy reading. And it was, I would, I wasn't comfortable forcing him to read too much except for what he had to do with, you know, his schoolwork. So I didn't. But I was looking for opportunities. And uh, one dropped right in my lap while we were at Barnes & Noble. He brought me a book and he said, will you buy this for me? And I looked at it and it was called C++. And I said, I don't even know what that is. What is this? And he said, it's a book on coding. And I said, my, of course, my mom brain was, was homeschool mom brain was moving and clicking right along. And I went, oh yes, I will actually, we will buy that for you as long as you promise to read the whole thing. Well, that's when his love for reading began. (laughs) And he ran coding, he read coding book after coding book after coding book. And so uh, it really wasn't a problem for him 
that he didn't read a lot early on, we let it happen naturally. And when he found his interest, that's all it took. And it was the same thing with our second son. I didn't think that he was going to be a reader, and he is an avid reader to this day. He loves history. Um, but we are walking alongside of our boys right now in this journey. Um, ben and Luke are 19 and 20-year-old. I, I shared with you where they're at right now uh, working full-time. Ben is 20. He's not a math guy. He loved history. He studied a lot of that on his own early on before I required it. He still continues to read many, many books on that subject. Also on survival. He worked at a Christian camp. Uh, he loves people. He works right now as a host and tour guide at a winery and restaurant. And he came out with us to North Carolina, but he is planning to move back to Washington State as far as we know. That's his plan at this point. He's really interested in getting into the forestry. He likes the the landscape there. He likes the woods. And so um, we may be letting him, you know, obviously we're going to, we want him to do what God's calling him to do. And that's what we're encouraging him in. We're asking questions, you know, what are his motivations, things like that. So we're walking with him through that process. But the bottom line is we need to let him make this decision and just be praying for him. So we're not trying to talk him into staying and he's not interested in college. And he has, like I said, some ideas about the direction he wants to go. We're okay with this. And we just, like I said, keep praying for him and we know God's gonna continue to work in his life. We encourage him to have a plan, but in so many ways, he is a more spontaneous person, which makes him super lovable and super fun to be around. And God's gonna work all of that. He's gonna work all of that into whatever it is he's gonna be doing. And we trust God with him. Luke, our 19-year-old, loves math. He took math classes. Um, He wrote a great paper in high school, despite the fact that um, he didn't do much writing other than summaries up to that point. So again, like I said in the last podcast, oops, sorry. (laughs) In the last podcast, knocked my water bottle over. I um, was sharing that they, um, okay, I totally lost my train of thought. (laughs) Welcome to my world. Anyway, he hadn't done a lot of writing up to that point, but when they're motivated and and interested, it's amazing what they can do. Same thing with with, uh, Jake. He didn't write a ton, but when he got into college, he was rocking his papers like almost right off the bat. So there's that ownership thing again that is so, so important. Um, and it makes all the difference in the world. So he has taken some college classes. It was not a good experience. Um, College is becoming very difficult and complicated to navigate because of the politics and the money involved. Um, So he just really isn't interested in revisiting that. And so we just have to trust that God is going to direct him. And right now he's working full-time and he is volunteering some of his time for, uh, you know, a a local drama group that he's doing uh, tech work for. And it's, he's at a time in his life when he can actually do that. He doesn't have a, a wife and kids and, I, we're encouraging him in this because it's growing his sense of community. We, see we live in a new community, so it's helping him to get to know people. And it's also growing a sense of generosity. So we've got Sam, who's 17. 17. He loves math, hates writing, but has grown confident through writing summaries 
Uh, he definitely owns his education. He works 30 hours a week. He is a salesman by nature. Many times that actually made him a real pain. <laughs> Super intelligent, always seemed to be one step ahead of us. Um, but the guy's self-motivated. He owns what he's doing. Right now he's reading through the Bible in a year. I'm, that's something he took on himself. Um, you know, we're... He loves technology, but we're encouraging him not to be too much of a consumer, and he's keeping that balanced. He's got a savings account going, um, and he's learning so much about the next phase of life right now. Consistency in work, managing finances, balancing work and school, which he's doing well. All of our boys have learned so much confidence through work. So I want to share with you a few options that are just fascinating to me. There are so many options out there aside from college. And I'm going to share a few of these um, that, I could, that I could just think of offhand that I know of because I want to give you hope that college is not the only option for a successful career. In fact, college is becoming more and more irrelevant and less and less useful or necessary, as I, as I mentioned before, it's just incredibly inefficient. Um, we could get so much more learning done in so much less time, but that could probably be a whole nother podcast. But it's in our boys' best interest and ours to be thinking outside the box. I'll be talking more about, uh, I'm gonna talk about some more great alternatives um, as I share how we have and are homeschooling our boys, which I think I've already done that, so I'm not going to visit that. Sometimes I jump ahead of myself and I don't realize it. So just checking out my notes and clearly I've already covered that, so yay. So I'm going to just talk real quickly about a few alternatives. One of the ones that I think is the most interesting is called Praxis. And it's if you, if you Google Praxis, it's, there's also a testing thing that's called Praxis. That's not it. I think this is called Discover Practice praxis.org. I will put a link in the podcast notes and you can click over there, but you can talk, you can actually schedule a phone call to talk more specifically about what this program entails. But it's basically a 12-month startup apprenticeship that leads directly to a successful career with no degree required. And this place, they really pursue homeschoolers because they're finding that they take so much initiative and they're the kind of people that they want to have in the program. Not just anybody can get into this program. You need uh, There's some self-motivation that needs to be there, some initiative, and so homeschoolers are a perfect fit for this. So basically, there's a six-month pre-apprenticeship boot camp. You start the program with an intensive boot camp that prepares you to get the most out of your apprenticeship and accelerates your professional development. You get to build your personal brand, get specific training and coaching for your apprenticeship from experienced professional advisors. Then you go on to apprentice full-time at a successful startup and continue your education experience. They'll shadow, uh, you'll shadow founders and CEOs, complete self-directed projects, and develop s- skills and experiences that you can take anywhere. Isn't that interesting? And at the end of 12 months, participants are in the top 1% of young professionals and debt-free. Did you hear that? Debt-free. 96% of the graduates receive a full-time offer from their business partner. Some accept the offer and others find other opportunity in the Praxis Network 
or even start their own company. All graduates leave the program fully equipped for a fulfilling life and career, and the average salary is 50000 per year. So that, to me, seemed like a fascinating program that is worth checking out. Um, the other options that are out there, you've, I know you know about vocational and technical schools. A lot of them offer stuff online. Um, there are so many online options for so many different things. Online certifications for all kinds of different things. Certifications for a licensed practical nurse, for a certified nurse's assistant. In, and you can have those in two years or less. Again, online options for that. A para-pro para positions. I don't know if you've heard of those. And these are for teaching. And the interesting thing is you can get a certificate online or you can go to the local college and, and earn a certificate in a fairly short amount of time. And what that does is it gets your foot in the door at, the, at whatever school that... Uh, you know, hires you. And once your foot is in the door and they know you, you definitely can qualify for higher paying positions down the road. So that's another really great option. So this generation is learning from their older siblings and they do not want to go into debt for college. I, I was reading that they are literally hacking their way into their careers. I thought that was so interesting. And it really all comes back to being a lifelong learner, being resourceful, and having a great work ethic. Remember those three things I mentioned and talked about in the last podcast. This is exactly what employers are looking for above anything else. I also read that one of the main reasons they list, uh, that an employer will list having a degree like saying that they want that they require a degree is simply because they're looking for some sort of evidence that the potential employee can focus and work toward a goal. It's not really about the degree itself. Isn't that interesting? Because the degree doesn't necessarily make them employable. I just find that interesting. What makes them employable is initiative and motivation and work ethic and you know those things that we've been talking about, that ownership through all of these podcasts we've been talking about that. So there's a book that I've been reading uh, by Tim Elmore, and it's called Marching Off the Map. Um, and one of the quotes out of it was fantastic. It was actually a quote by C.S. Lewis. We all want progress, but if you're on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn and walking back to the right road. In that case, the man who turns back the soonest is the one who is the most progressive. Isn't that great? <laughs> And so this book has been just fascinating to read. It really gives you a, a view into the next generation, the challenges they're facing, kind of the mentality that they're ending up with because of the culture that they're growing up in and the technology and all of that. It's really, really informative. So if you want to better understand the realities of where our kids really are and how to head them the right direction, this book is your read. It is addressed to both educators and parents. Now, I found that some of the problems that they're mentioning, um, I'm not having with our kids because they're homeschooled. So, um, so what that did was it just showed me that I was giving our kids, we're giving our kids um, a, a head start. We're giving them a boost simply by keeping them home, keeping them out of the public school and keeping them in an environment that's healthy, secure, loving, um, with responsive, you know, warm, responsive parents and just, you know, people around them who care about them and can help 
uh, help them stay focused and looking for the things they're passionate about. You know, they've got that that one-on-one help and that um, support and love at home, and they're around that every single day. So never uh, look down on or diminish that variable in the equation. It is a very important variable in the equation. The other book that I think is really great, and this is directed more towards the kids, it's Do Hard Things First by Alex and Brett Harris. It's directed towards teens, and it encourages them to redefine the teen years as the launching pad of life and and, and encourages them to begin to think long-term. So that um, those, both of those books I will put in the podcast notes and you can click on it and it'll take you right uh, to them on Amazon. And also in the last podcast, I mentioned a, f- um, a list of other resources uh, that I will include in these show notes as well. Um, and you'll be able to go check those out. There were some really good ones there. So a lot of you have asked me about media screen time. So instead of tackling that on my own, because like you, uh, there's areas of struggle with it. I don't have all the answers. I know how we've done things. But next week, um, I will have a very special guest. Her name is Leah Neiman. And she's been speaking for the past eight years to parents, homeschooling groups, and teens about technology, social media, and parenting. She offers sessions, advice, and resources so parents can raise kids with a healthy perspective of technology and social media. She will be sharing with us how to navigate the challenges of screen time while still being realistic about the role of technology in our lives. And so I'm really looking forward to that. The one piece of advice I will give you, because I really think this still counts and is relevant, because <laughs> you know, when I started homeschooling, we didn't have any technology for our kids really. Um, and we sort of have grown uh, with it over the years, but our kids have gotten older during that time. So what I want to say is put it off as long as you can. Keep them off the screens. There, There is scientific Keep them off the screens, particularly in the early years. There is so much develop, brain development going on and too much screen time rewires their brains in a different way, in a, in a less natural way. And, and we want our kids to be uh, prepared for real life. We want them to be connected with real life. And I talked about uh, kind of what that looks like as we're homeschooling them during the elementary years. So if you didn't listen to that podcast, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. So I hope that you have been encouraged as you've listened to this series on boys and that you're not only finding hope, but direction that will bring peace to your heart as you raise your boys. And just for fun, I made a list of things, and this is not an exhaustive list. I'm sure that you all could add to it. (laughs) But I want to go through this list of what you can expect from boys simply because I think it helps us realize how many things our boys do that sometimes irritate us or throw us off are really just boy things, and it's okay. So I'm going to go through this list real quickly. Expect to be grossed out regularly. You have to decide where the line is, obviously. And it has much to do with that, you know, being aware of your surroundings. Are there girls around? Are there grandparents around? Is this the appropriate time or place to be talking about this? So expect to laugh a lot. Boys love to be goofy. We have to be goofy with them. It's one of the ways that they know that we're enjoying them. It gives them so much delight when we laugh at their jokes and we laugh at their goofiness and jump jump in with them. 
Expect to go to the emergency room. Expect them to press the boundaries. Be ready to stand your ground, but also be ready to listen for respectful, reasonable compromises. Expect lots of physical activity, wrestling, running, sword fights, battles, the list goes on. Expect them to like weapons. I know that is not politically correct, but it's the truth. It's how they're wired. Expect them to want to be independent of you and need time with their dads and other guys. We talked a lot about that in the last podcast. Don't expect them to like showers. Don't assume that they will care about or even be aware of what they look like or smell like. Expect to set boundaries on their boyness as far as being respectful, knowing when and where it's appropriate to roughhouse. We talked about that earlier. And to be aware, again, of their surroundings. Know if they're hurting someone um, or the other person isn't having fun. You know, sometimes our boys would be teasing, 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 almost to the point of tears. And we would just say, you know, and they would say, oh, well, I'm just having fun. Well, we decided, you know, if the other person isn't having fun, then it's not, it shouldn't be fun for you. So if it's not fun for all, it's not fun at all. Expect them to develop slower than a girl his same age can be a couple of years difference. Expect him to lose part of his brain as he approaches puberty. And really, it's so important that we don't, that we try to be gracious during this time. We try not to ridicule them, obviously. That's kind of a given. But sometimes it's funny, you know, some of these things that they do are, you know, that they forget or things, the things that they do because their brains aren't all on track. Um, it does make us laugh. And it's okay to laugh together about those things. We just need to be a little sensitive as to how they're taking it. Remind them that this is part of the journey to adulthood. You know, during that time, their bodies are working so hard to change them from a boy to a man. It's a huge process. Let him own that part of the journey with his dignity intact. Some of the things I have loved most about raising our boys... They haven't been picky about their clothes or their food. I could usually be brutally honest with them and they were fine with it. They made me laugh harder than I ever thought possible and still do to this day. They really have sharpened my sense of humor. They, pu- they pushed my boundaries of safety and still do sometimes beyond what I ever imagined, which seriously, it makes my prayer life so much more active. <laughs> If we want to work, if we work to keep a good relationship with our boys through mutual respect and encouragement, they will be our most loyal friends and protectors. So I've shared where our boys are now. They have a strong work ethic, confidence. They know where they stand. They're still figuring some things out. And we're still walking out with them where they want to land career-wise. And that's okay. I want you to understand, like I said before, it's okay if they don't have everything figured out by the time they graduate. We need to be supportive and have relationship with them so we can still speak into their lives as needed. But mostly, we encourage them and lift them up in prayer. Maybe this week, we should spend some time specifically praying over very specific things for our boys. What does God really want for them? What changes might he want us to make in our lifestyles and our homeschooling to better help our boys? Ultimately, our overarching goal as Christian parents should be 
that our boys are walking um, in the truth of God's word and have a growing personal relationship with him. They need to learn to hear his voice and we are the ones who will show them what that looks like and encourage them that direction. If they are walking with and hearing from God, nothing else matters. I love having boys. I love who they are and who they're becoming and I love that I have a good relationship with each of them. So from one mom to another, I'm imploring you, help your boys grow into real men. The world desperately needs men who will stand up for what is right, who understand who they are and are not afraid to embrace it and walk it out. This all requires boatloads of prayer on our part but also encouragement and investing in our relationship with them by respecting who they are. We have the opportunity to raise world changers, movers, shakers, and leaders, real men who are courageous and know who they are, ones who care enough to help the helpless, but also know how to wage war when necessary. But it all starts at home with moms who are their boys' biggest fans, who aren't afraid to tell them the truth, but will also be the first to offer encouragement and a hug. It starts with moms that will set that example of courage and bravery by encouraging their boys to manhood, ones who aren't afraid of what the culture thinks, what people think, but we focus our eyes directly on our creator and the creator of our boys who will fight for their right to manhood. Moms who are willing to pray hard, waging whatever warfare is necessary to keep the hearts of their boys turned toward him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for these women. God, these women that you have blessed with boys sons who will soon grow into men right before their very eyes. God, those soft little baby faces all too soon have whiskers on them. And that can be a real shocker. (laughs) It just shows us how quickly they grow, Father. And so I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would give these women the courage to think outside the box and to bless their sons with a a childhood and with the encouragement to grow into true godly manliness, Lord. To To grow into true, real men, the kind of men that honor God, the kind of men who aren't afraid to stand up for what's right. God, thank you. Thank you so much, Lord. We just praise you and thank you in Jesus' name, amen.